Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we have been reading uh, the book of Ruth together, and we're going to finish it this morning. Uh, we left off last week with this uh, midnight promise that Boaz uh, made to Ruth, who had just asked him to spread his wings over her and redeem her. And so Boaz's promise was this, don't be afraid, Ruth, I'm going to do everything uh, that you ask. So I'm going to read the next part of the story for us. It's Ruth uh, chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I bought from the, ha from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrata and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. 
And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the story and for this word that we've read. And we ask now that you would use it to meet us uh, in exactly the places where we find ourselves this morning. To show us the word uh, who bears our flesh, who is seated at your right hand right now. Father, show us Jesus' grace and change us by it. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I was uh, reminded this last week um, by one of you uh, that I once said in a sermon uh, that I think that cynicism is maybe the besetting uh, sin of our age. Uh, I had said something cynical, And so that's why this person kindly thought to remind me of my own words. And uh, I'm guilty of it for sure. Uh, That suspicious, weary attitude towards the world that left unchecked can lead to anger and to hopelessness and usually to both of those things. I think that cynicism sometimes parades around uh, as wisdom, but if you poke under the surface of it, it is usually more about fear. You know, fear that I won't be able to get away from my past, uh, fear uh, that I can't really change, fear that other people can't change or that they won't change or that things in the world can't be redeemed, they can't be made right, they can't change. It's fear that maybe everyone is just running around working all of the angles for themselves. So I know that fear isn't just my fear, that is a fear that nags at the corner of every human life. Uh, So you know what people like us need? Um, The antidote uh, to cynicism and to the fear that funds it is always hope. Not, not the thin, uh, cross-your-fingers kind of hope, but hope uh, that rests on the solid past of God and gives shape to the future. And so here's the good news. Uh, all of the seeds of kindness, all of the seeds of love that have been sown throughout the story that we have been reading together, they sprout into a beautiful plant of hope here in Ruth chapter 4, exactly the kind of hope that people like us need. So the last act of this beautiful story falls neatly into two parts. One, um, just a few hours after that breathless uh, midnight promise that Boaz made to Ruth, and then the second scene roughly nine months later. So first there's uh, Boaz at the gate of the city. He's trying to make good on this promise that he has made to Ruth, to Redeemer. Uh, But first you might remember that there was this uh, threat 
that we talked about at the end of last week, this, this closer redeemer who needed to be given the chance to redeem them, this relative who was closer to Naomi and Ruth. Boaz has to make sure uh, that that's taken care of. So he goes early to the city gate. That's to the place where uh, business and legal things were taken care of. Uh, and he gathers the elders of the city and he waits. And sure enough, this guy comes by, this closer relative. And he says, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And this is the place where we watch Boaz's kindness work itself out in uh, wisdom and in shrewdness. So first he tells this guy that the, the plot of land that Naomi's family had before they went away for 10 years uh, is just uh, sitting fallow and overgrown probably and it needs to be redeemed. So right away, of course, this guy says, well, I'll, I'll redeem that land. I will definitely buy that land. Um, it's an attractive property to add to his portfolio. All, it's all upside, you know, for his long-term gain. He gets that place, that property. And when he says he's going to redeem it, our hearts sink. <laughs> because this is not how any of us want this story to end. And that's when Boaz says, well, um, if you get the land, you also get the widow, Ruth. And right away this guy figures out that all of the upsides for him have disappeared. Because the profits that might come from that land in the future would fall to Ruth's family and not to his. He's not into that at all. It's not a good deal. So he says, buy it for yourself, Boaz. Which Boaz does immediately with, no doubt, a happy and full heart. And this is when the elders who are in the gate of the city, who've witnessed this, speak. And the blessing that they give is remarkable. They say, may the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who built up the house of Israel. And church, that is a blessing that is completely brimming with hope. It looks first to the past. It is a blessing that acknowledges the past, how God had uh, worked improbably to make this great people out of a barren couple named Abraham and Sarah. I mean, Rachel and Leah, they're the, they're the great granddaughters of Abraham and Sarah. Rachel and Leah also happen to be the matriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. The elders know and they remember how God has worked in their improbable past. And precisely because they know and precisely because they remember, they can have hope for the future. And they don't even care. They do not care if Ruth isn't even an Israelite because they know that God specializes in working in and through and around and underneath all kinds of really messed up situations. All kinds of strange and hard stuff. So this blessing hopes that God will make Ruth another matriarch of the nation. And I just want to say that this is how hope works for me and for you, too. We look to God's past with us. And we remember God's past with us. And with the people around us. 
and we remember his kindness and we see it again. I know that in the present there, there are incredible pressures weighing in on many of us. I know that in the present there is a lot of trouble looming over many of us, a lot of difficulty. And those might be things that would make the path of fear or resignation or cynicism seem like the right path to take, but church, we are not the people of that path. That is not our road. We know that God can work his kindness out of the bleakest, most messed up situations. And so we have good reason to to flex our redemptive imaginations for the future. I mean, that's really what we're doing right now. That's what's happening right now in this moment as we worship together. (laughs) We are together collectively remembering who God is and we're remembering what God has done for us and for the people around us. And what happens is that our worship slowly and tirelessly forms and shapes our hearts for hope so that we can hope. Worship together is an act of remembrance. It is an act of celebration. And then it becomes an act of hope. And that's why people like us need this worship together as a regular rhythm of our lives so that we can hope. So now uh, we fast forward about nine months and Ruth has a baby boy. (laughs) And like any uh, great drama that is in its final act, a chorus of women show up to sing. And in one of the most beautiful twists in a story that is full of them, these women come not to sing to Ruth, the new mom, They come to sing to the little boy's grandma. They come to sing to Naomi. These women had showed up once uh, before in the story when Naomi had come back to Bethlehem bereft, having lost her husband and her sons. These are the women who said, is this Naomi? And that question was the question that had led Naomi to spill out all of her hopelessness in front of them. You remember that moment? Um, She says, don't call me Naomi anymore to those women. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter. I went away full, but God has brought me back empty. Why call me lovely anymore when God has brought this kind of calamity on me? That's what resignation sounds like. That's what cynicism sounds like. And underneath it, the fear that builds strong walls against hope. So church, how great is it? How great is it that these same women come back now at the end of the story to blow down the remnants of those walls with their song? Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, they sing. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, Naomi, your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given him birth. 
I don't know, church, if there's any better way to tie all of the threads of this story together. (laughs) You thought you were at the end, Naomi. You thought that you had come to the end of anything good. You had thought there was no hope and you were living in resignation. But God, through the steadfast kindness of Ruth, through the steadfast kindness of Boaz, has now shown to you his own sheltering kindness. It's beautiful. Another way to say what those women are really saying in their blessing is to say that God's people have done what God's people were created to do. (laughs) We are to one another and we are to the broken world an extension of the sheltering presence of the love of God. That's just who we are. We are an extension of the sheltering presence of the love of God. And sometimes, you know, that will look like drawing up a chair next to someone and just listening to them. And then other times, it might look like crying with someone who is in pain. And another time, it might look like buying groceries or... or, uh, buying clothes for a refugee family. Another time, uh, it might look like uh, helping a single mom with childcare. And another time, it might look like posting bail for her friend who is in trouble. It might look like a million different things, but it is always the same thing. In the name of God, we offer steadfast love and kindness to the people around us. That's what we've been made for. Ruth had made her love concrete and physical. Boaz had made his love concrete and physical. And we're called to do the same thing in God's name and by the power of his spirit. And you know, you have to see in the blessing that the women give, there's that same look to the past that fuels the redemptive imagination for the future. It's there again, just like it was in the elders' blessing. (laughs) They're saying, look, Naomi, look at what God did for you. You're bouncing him on your knee right now. Look at what God has done for you. How could you ever wonder if in the future he would do more of the same through this very child? And you know, the best part of this blessing, the, the best part of this whole story is that not, there's not one person in the story who even knows the half of it. <laughs> and that's why, of course, the story ends with a genealogy. Naomi's grandson turns out to be the grandfather of King David. It's a pretty big deal. And as great as that family line is, you and I know that it doesn't end there. The genealogies of of Matthew and Luke are part two of that genealogy. And they make it clear that the greatest son in their line is not King David. The greatest son in their line is the one born to a couple of scared kids in that very same city a thousand years later. Jesus, the Redeemer of the world. And church, you and I look to that past right now. 
We look to the life of Jesus who shows us what perfect love for another actually looks like. We look to the death of Jesus, which shows us redemption and shelter in their fullest, most towering beauties. We look to the resurrection of Jesus. You know what the resurrection of Jesus shows us? It shows us that all of our hopes put together could never outstrip the beauty and power of the actual hope that we have been given, hope of resurrection. We look to his ascension, which says that this gracious kingdom that he is slowly building now, of which you and I are a part, will one day cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is our past, church. It's the past that we're united to by repentance and faith in Jesus. And precisely because that's our past, and because we remember that that is our past, and we celebrate that that is our past, we can and will have hope with a redemptive imagination for the future that will not grow weary in love. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that we, as your people, would not grow weary in love. In all of the million ways that that becomes concrete in this world, help us not to grow weary in it. Father, and we ask that you would do this for us by your spirit, that you would help us to remember. That you would help us to rehearse your love and kindness towards us in this present moment and in the past so that we can have hope for the future that fuels love for the life of the world. Father, we ask that you would do this for us as individuals, for us collectively as a church, that we would grow up, that we become stronger in our faith, and we ask that you would do it so that through us you can love this world around us so broken and so ready to be loved. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.